Good evening, I'm Mark Boyle in the Live Center, Durham County, just releasing some brand new numbers for its COVID-19 confirmed cases as well as the deaths. Here's the total number of residents in the county, now up to 724, confirming three related deaths in Durham County, bringing the total number to 20. This information is pushed out every night around this time, so this is when they send it out. Also, you draw your attention to the bottom of the release right here. Here are some of the nursing homes and rehabilitation centers. There have been several outbreaks. They continue to list those as those numbers continue to go up. We'll monitor that for you here in the Live Center. Thank you, Mark. New results tonight from our exclusive WRL News poll on the state of the economy and how North Carolinians feel about their money, their attitude, and the year ahead. These are results you will only see on WRAL. We're going to start with paying the mortgage and rent. When asked how concerned are you about making your payments on time, 22% said very, 23% said somewhat, 22% not very, 30% not at all, 2% weren't sure. And how about this question? Are you pessimistic or optimistic about the economic outlook for the country over the next year? 52% said optimistic, 34% pessimistic, 14 not sure. And when it comes to your family's outlook over the next year, 62% are optimistic, 21% pessimistic, and 17% were not sure. WRL partnered with SurveyUSA to poll hundreds of North Carolinians on a variety of topics concerning the coronavirus. We'll break down those exclusive results all week on WRAL-TV and WRAL.com. One of the hurdles for people returning to somewhat normal will be their jobs. More than 900,000 unemployment applications have been filed since March, and the state system has been overwhelmed. We continue to hear from frustrated applicants. Today, WRL's Aaron Thomas went through the application process and attempted to get answers from those at the top. I spoke with several people today who tell me they've lost their jobs because of this pandemic. Some saying they've spent weeks trying to reach out to the Employment Security Office by phone or email. We decided to try it ourselves. North Carolinians out of work say applying for unemployment benefits is a pain. I've been waiting you know, 30-some days. I've been really patient. I understand that I'm not the only one. John Van Shore lost his job in overhead fire protection due to COVID-19. He's having a hard time applying online and over the phone. It's kind of like concert tickets. You know, keep going until some, you know, you get, get it to ring. It finally rang and it hung up on me. We decided to go through the process. First, we called the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Hotline and received this message. Our call volumes are unusually high at this time, and we are unable to provide personal service. Shortly after, the call dropped. Next, we called the Standard Customer Call Center. We heard from an agent after about five minutes of waiting on the phone. WREL has made numerous requests for a one-on-one -on -one interview with the Assistant Secretary for the Division of Employment Security to discuss these ongoing issues. A spokesperson for Lockhart Taylor says he's unavailable. Is there a reason why he's not available considering that there's more than 900,000 people who have filed for unemployment claims? engaged in um, managing the division and just doesn't have um, that's really what's going on but if you've got specific questions we'd be happy to answer people like John Van Shore saying receiving benefits is critical right now there's a lot of working people out there like myself that are paycheck away from being homeless officials with the employment security office tell me there's about 1,000 people answering the hotlines and they have about 1,600 people processing the claims Aaron Thomas WRL News Raleigh
in the report, Aaron called both the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Line at 866-847-7209 and the Customer Call Center. That number is 888-737-0259. We also have these numbers on WRL.com if you still need unemployment assistance. It will be far from normal, but it looks like a return to campus in the fall is on the horizon for schools in the UNC system. Joining us now to discuss this decision is the head of the UNC system, interim president, Dr. Bill Roper. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Roper. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Obviously not an easy decision for you, for the parents and the students and the prospective students across North Carolina. Give us an idea of what reopening campuses could look like. Sure. So first, I'd just like to say we are so proud of the faculty, staff, and students who have uh, come, met the challenge before us, moved to online learning in record time, and are doing remarkably well in this crisis period. But right now, we've uh, had an intensive series of meetings with the chancellors, the leaders of our 17 institutions, and they are each leaning in with their teams to open for the fall 2020 semester. We are anxious to put health and safety as a top priority, but we believe we, we are gonna get it done and, and we're looking forward to the fall because that's the best way we can serve the people of North Carolina. Dr. Roper, talk about how you and the system leaders came to make this decision and were students involved in the decision-making process? Yeah. We've had lots of conversations with students, but also with faculty, staff, uh, leaders across the organization, the Board of Governors, uh, elected officials, etc. Uh, this is a, a complicated decision. It's one that we are making in anticipation of the fall. Uh, it is our intent and our ambition to open, but we're not uh, determined damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. We're at every step anxious to do this right so that we can deliver the education, the research, and the service that the people depend on us for, but that we can do it in a safe and uh, a way that will protect the health of the people we serve, particularly those in vulnerable populations. A number of our faculty are in the age group that are at risk. We have others who are have underlying health conditions, and so we're anxious to do this carefully with appropriate monitoring and testing and uh, protective equipment where necessary. Uh, we want to do this right. So Dr. Roper, are you talking about opening up dorms again, in-person classes, and how does that work? Are the yeah. chancellors that you've talked to, about, uh, talked to, are they yeah. worried about that approach? They are concerned to do this right. I just keep emphasizing. But what you've described, open in the fall with dorms, classrooms, et cetera, is our number one option. We would very much want to do it that way, but we are carefully examining and, and paying attention to our nation's um, infectious disease experts and those at, at UNC and the other institutions here in our state. We're gonna learn a lot more in the coming weeks. So as we get nearer to the time we have to make final decisions, I'm certain that we're uh, going to do this in a way that is, is good for the people of North Carolina. Dr. Roper, one of the best things about college is the chance to travel and study abroad. Will individual chancellors have the power to decide whether students can or cannot do this? Uh, we're examining that one carefully. As you know, we pulled back all of our students from study abroad this, uh, this spring in a very quick fashion. And we're right now having the conversations with the leaders of those programs 
uh, across the system to ask, are we ready to trigger study abroad in the fall? Uh, stay tuned. We haven't made that decision yet. Another big part of the college experience, athletics. Can we expect sports to remain on hold, or are you going to try to open up those too? Uh, we, we want to have sports. That's a major part of the college experience, especially here in North Carolina. But we, are, we have to have students if we can have, in order to have uh, uh, student athletes. So we've we got to do this one step at a time. But the, uh, the athletic directors, the coaches, are a major part of this conversation as well. Dr. Roper, as we wrap up, your message to parents as they watch their students go back into this crowded environment after this pandemic that we've all been through and we're still going through. Yeah, the message is we are going to do this in a way that is good for the people we serve, especially those students, but also parents, faculty, others. Uh, we're doing it in a stepwise, science-driven way. Um, we're not doing a, a risky thing to try to prove a point to somebody, but we want to open our universities back up to full service operations because that's what we know the people want. All right, Dr. Bill Roper, interim president of the UNC system. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Now, Duke University tells us it is not yet ready to make a decision about the fall, but expects to have a mix of online and in-person instruction. In her update today, Dr. Mandy Cohen called on state lawmakers to do more to make sure everyone is covered on the road to recovery. We need to see continued work this week to include some of the critical funding that's not yet included. And tomorrow, the state house will vote on its version of the COVID relief plan. We're going to be talking with House Speaker Tim Moore next to find out how all of this can benefit North Carolinians. coverage you can count on with WRAL News. To me, this is not a partisan issue. It's not an issue about us versus the governor, the House versus the Senate. None of that junk, right? This is about really getting, you know, taking care of some critical issues facing the state that are unprecedented in any of our lifetimes. Those words from House Speaker Tim Moore at the beginning of the short session on Tuesday now, by tomorrow, the House will vote on its version of a relief package. Speaker Moore joining us live tonight to discuss these efforts and what lawmakers are doing to help North Carolinians statewide. Speaker Moore, first off, thanks for joining us. Tell us basically what's in this package. Thank you. Good to be with you this evening, David. Uh, this is a package designed to really help stabilize North Carolina during these unprecedented times. Uh, we are appropriating in the House uh, proposal tomorrow around $1.7 billion of the federal stimulus money that's come down. You're gonna see it go to everything from helping stabilize our hospitals, purchasing uh, personal protective equipment, uh, getting funds in there for education uh, from the, all the way from K-12 to community college to universities, uh, funds for transportation, uh, and then also funds to help with uh, continuing operations of government, and then all sorts of regulatory relief, everything from extending you know, your driver's license out five months to permits, basically anything where folks have to comply with government deadlines, uh, giving extensions on that to really ease the burden on individuals and on small business. And by the way, on small business, very proud of the fact that we're going to be putting in 75 million more dollars into a small business loan program to be administered by the Golden Leaf Foundation to make sure that we're getting funds that are desperately needed by a lot of small businesses that are being impacted. 
uh, the, the, the House version is about 1.7 billion. The governor, 1.4. The Senate, a little less. Where do you think it's going to shake out? I think it'll probably come uh, come out somewhere around uh, in near the 1.7. Look, the House plan's always perfect, right? So maybe they'll all just agree with us. Uh, we know the reality is is that we'll we'll reach a compromise somewhere and and really focus those efforts. But you know, if you get into the meat of the bill and you look at it. Uh, a lot of the, they're very similar. There's not a lot of differences because we know where the pressure points are. We know where those needs are, and we are going to work very diligently to make sure that we get this done quickly and get those funds out there. Mr. Speaker, uh, Dr. Cohen today in her address with the media talked about, uh, in particular, the need for more rural and underserved communities, as well as the hospitals and medical facilities in the uh, parts of the state that are so sparsely populated. She was referring to the Senate version, saying it needed more. What about the House version? So the House version actually has about $125 million for hospital stabilization across the state. Of that $125, $75 million is exclusively for rural hospitals because we know, you know even before this happened, uh, there were significant challenges in, uh, in health care in rural areas. You know, you had the hospital in Ashboro just a few weeks ago that filed bankruptcy. So we're, we're putting significant funds into to stabilize those hospitals, to invest, uh, to make sure that folks have access to care. And while not directly on it, I do want to mention the fact that we should be very proud that our university is, is a critical part of developing a vaccine and treatment. So you're going to see an immense amount of money. We're looking at uh, over $100 million to put into our, our medical schools around the state to help with both treatment, research and also treatment. There is a call coming from some parts of the state, and this does become political, I know, at some level, even though you try to avoid it, that if there was ever a time for Medicaid expansion in the state, it is right now. Any chance we're going to see this? Well, I certainly support making sure that we're covering uh, the testing for COVID-19 and the treatment for COVID-19. That's what we're looking to do. But, you know, right now in North Carolina, if somebody has a medical issue, they're not being denied treatment. Uh, they're getting access to it, and, and this uh, immense uh, funding you will see actually even further enhances the access of funds to, to health care at all spectrums. All right, Mr. Speaker, got just under a minute left here. We continue to hear so much frustration with people who want their unemployment benefits. The state has been working hour after hour after hour to make it better. At a time like this, it's never going to be perfect. What do you say both to the state and to the people waiting? Well, I certainly am one who has been working ever since this happened to make sure that we were getting rid of the red tape. Uh, that is going to be codified in the legislation that we pass tomorrow to get rid of the delay. There's no sense in somebody having to wait six weeks to get their benefits when they've lost the job through no fault of their own. So that's been cut down to one month due in part to the efforts here. But a lot of the issue right now, frankly, is folks actually getting through the system, calling and getting through or being able to file claims. And so you, we've encouraged the governor and the administration to do all they can to repurpose other employees, uh, move resources, do all they can to prove that. Because, you know, these folks who have lost their job, uh, their bills don't stop. Their other obligations don't stop. They have to be able to feed their families. And we need to make sure that we do all we can to get those resources to them. And so the bill that we've passed or that we will pass tomorrow is going to even further enhance that, both in terms of getting rid of bureaucracy and putting more funds and making sure people can do this uh, and get access to it better than they can right now. The chambers look different. They look sparse, but we'll be watching for the vote tomorrow. Speaker Tim Moore, thanks for your time tonight. Thank, thank you.
Coming up next on our news at 7, making a difference one baked good at a time. Food wake makes people happy. That's why I like to bake because I like making people happy. That Wake County stay-at-home order is set to expire, but don't jump out just yet. In the latest version of our coronavirus news brief podcast, we're going to let you know exactly what this means. The news brief podcast is available for free wherever you download your podcast. We'll be right back. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News. A Fayetteville group hopes a new video will spread some cheer. The Fayetteville Cool Spring Downtown District commissioned this 45-second video to help bring some smiles to people stuck at home. The new stadium and Woodpecker baseball team had the downtown area rocking, then the virus hit. So really it's an uplifting sort of stroll down memory lane um, to look at what's great about Fayetteville, North Carolina, and um, that this is a resilient city and it's going to get through this. Mayor Mitch Colvin extended the city's overnight curfew to May 8th to coincide with the governor's stay-at-home order. Less than 10 minutes ago, we have received an official release from Ashley Smith. This is her mugshot from the arrest in downtown Raleigh during that protest for Reopen NC. This is part of the statement right here. I want to get some of this to you that's key. She talked about her disagreement with Kristen Elizabeth, the other co-founder, saying, I agree to disagree, hence her departure. Kristen Elizabeth was one of the original co-founders of Reopen NC. The two did not see eye to eye at all. We're going to go through this. We're going to do much more on this story and give you a little background on why this all happened tonight at 10 and 11. All right, Mark Boyle in the Live Center. Thank you, Mark. This time last night, we told you about the added donations coming in for the North Carolina Restaurant Workers Relief Fund. More than $950,000, thanks in part to one teenager and her passion for baking. WRL's Leslie Moreno has the story from Durham. Annalise first discovered that fund through one of her favorite Italian restaurants here in downtown Durham. She saw they were struggling and she knew right away she wanted to help. This is Annalise. She's 15 and she's been baking since the fifth grade. Food makes people happy. That's why I like to bake because I like making people happy. When she heard she could mix her love for baking and giving back, she was all in. And normally it's like... Uh, like friends, kids' birthday cakes and stuff like that, but I wanted to give back. After seeing many local restaurants struggling, she decided to put her passion to work with all the money going directly towards this fund. This is affecting them and their employees and like how they like, they don't know what to do and because the economy collapsed and no one's ever experienced that before. Even though she works alone, her sales are quickly growing. She's already at $630. I think it really hit home to Annalise because we don't necessarily think of, of everyone and the impact of these things on, on those um, folks. And so um, the fact that there's all these people who are in the service industry who are, who are now out of work and what are they going to do because no one knows how long this is going to last. Her family is proud and they're enjoying the sweet perks. She's been joking that we're all going to be rolling out of our houses to get back to work because she bakes, she's probably baked um, probably four out of seven days a week lately. Now keep in mind, she just started this only four days ago. Not only does she bake, but she also delivers the orders. Head to WRAL.com for more details. Back to you. 
Wow, very enterprising mm. young lady. My mouth is watering. Oh, that you know all it smells looks good. so good. <laughs> oh, that cake? Uh-huh. Oh. Annalise is just one of the many members of the community stepping in to help raise more than $950,000 for the Restaurant Relief Fund. We have more information on how you can help on WRL.com. Just search help. You know, especially our restaurants have needed so much help. Yes. So it's great that Annalise is stepping up to help. Boy, now I want cookies. That's all I want for dinner. <laughs> that does it for our news at 7 o'clock. Our next newscast is at 10 on Fox 50 and at 11 right here on WRL. Have a great night and be safe.